your Bibles and turn to our starting point this morning. It's a passage that's probably familiar with everyone. It's in Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter. Many of the commands that we've been looking at, uh, these uh, descriptions of a Jesus follower, um, have come from Matthew. This one is very similar, for, again, from the Sermon on the Mount, verses 17, uh, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Give you a little image. Uh, one of the great things about this passage is so well known and it is there's lots of images out there. It says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And for there are few who find it. Passage that we're really familiar with a little a little saying that we've probably many of us have heard many different ways. Um and it's, it seems pretty simple what God's telling us to do, right? Enter through the narrow gate. Just go through the narrow way. It's the way to life. Watch out for the broad way. It's kind of a duh statement. Uh, those of us who see that go, well, obviously the, the reaction to this would be, I want to enter through the narrow gate, right? I want to find or be part of this small way. And so given the information that God gives, that Jesus gives in this parable, one way leads to life, one way leads to death, it's really obvious which way you're supposed to pick. The interesting thing about this is to ask this question. Why would anyone, less of all most people, take the wide way? You know, it says there, it's few who find the narrow gate. It is many who enter through the wide way. Why is it that it seems that most people... I mean, if you realize the end of the road, if you realize one is life and one is destruction, then it seems like it's a simple choice, right? Well, everybody is going to pick the narrow way. And why does Jesus go on and say, well, it's most people find the wide way and few people find this narrow way. Why would anyone choose the wide way if this is the instructions that we're given? And so what I want us to do today is consider a, a little compare and contrast between the two ways, these two roads and this, this teaching that Jesus gives us. We're going to look and see why is it this, this is the picture that we see. Why is it that so many people are on one way and so few on the way that leads to life? So we're going to compare and contrast the attractions of the narrow, of the wide way compared to the hurdles of the narrow way and we're going to look at what this is and, and maybe at the end of the day one evaluate where we're at uh, evaluate the difficulty of the path that we're on and hopefully really have compassion and some understanding about this choice that we face what's the difference what's these attractions to the to the wide way that seem to bring so many people in and and apparently the hurdles of the narrow way that seem to keep people from going that way well, the first attraction that we look at is our evil nature. Yes, our evil nature. Most of us, I imagine if I took a poll here today or if we entered in conversation and I said, describe yourself to me, most of you might start off with some kind of, say, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good gal. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really mean. I'm not wicked. I, I'm not evil. I, you know, I have some struggles. I do some things I don't want to do or know that I shouldn't do. But by and large, on the right kind of scale with the right kind of comparison, I'm altogether not all that bad. It's interesting how Jesus 
uh, phrased that earlier in this same chapter. When he's talking about the goodness of God, he's looking at the people and he said, if you who are evil know the good gifts to give to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's calling his people. These people are listening to him. I'm sure it won him great favor that day when he looks at you. You guys who are evil know how to do good things. He's pointing out a basic nature that we have since the beginning of time or since the fall uh, in the Garden of Eden that we have this evil nature with us. And so the attraction of the Broadway is really basically our default setting. That's where we're born. We're born on the wide way. We live on the wide way and we, we stay on the wide way just by nature. This is where we start. This is our default setting. The other setting is, is a new one that we have to get off of this way. Jeremiah 17, 9 again looks at the human heart and says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That we really have a hard time understanding just that we have this kind of evil nature, this default setting to be on this wide way of destruction. Left to ourselves and to our own end, that's where we're going to go. That's where we start and that's where we will end up. So that's the attraction of the wide way. The hurdle that we have to face in finding the, the narrow gate is it takes some diligence to, to get off our default setting, to get off on that, that path that we were born on, that we inherited by our sinful nature, that, that seems right, that's where we start. To get past that, it takes some diligence. It takes some seeking. God says, seek, in the, earlier, in, again, in the Sermon of Mount, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Uh, in Proverbs, in, in another place, he says, those who seek me will find me. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, he says, I love, those, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. That when we are trying to break our default setting, it takes some effort. It takes some diligence. You have to stick with it. Uh, you have to uh, make a choice to exit off the wide way onto the narrow way. And so there's some effort that we have to put in for it. Second Timothy 2.15, this is specifically talking about studying the word, uh, but it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Another version says to diligently study the word. And so there's some diligence in finding this way because it's not our natural way. It's something new. And, and in always in learning and experiencing something new, it takes some effort. And so the the wide way is our natural default setting. That's what we're attracted to. The narrow way, it takes some work. It takes some diligence. It takes some seeking out of this way. The next attraction to the wide way is, and I hope you, exclusiveness is excluded. It says it's the broad way, the the wide way, it's wide, uh, it's broad, it's, it's open for other interpretations. There's plenty of room on this way. There's no exclusivity here. There's, there's, you know, lots of people can belong to this way. Robert Frost, uh, in, in my pastor's class that I teach some, uh, from time to time, where we go through our statement of faith, as we, as I do the introduction to humanity, and talking about about what we believe uh, the the humans are, I, I look at um, 
our origin, the origins of humanity and how we all have the same origins. I look at the condition of all humanity, how we have all the same condition, this sin, this sin nature and that we're sinners. And then I look at our ends, the end of humanity. But that's where it differs, that some humans have one end and some have a different end, different destinations in eternity. And I use a poem from Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken to introduce this section. I'm going to read you just a couple of highlights from that from that poem. It says, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Every time I read that poem by Frost, I think about this passage from the Sermon on the Mount and how really the path you travel makes the difference into your final destination. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. And what I want to say when I'm talking about excluding um, exclusivity is that we believe there is only one way. And in our culture, in our day, no one should have exclusivity. This idea that there's one way to heaven, there's one way to God is is greatly frowned upon. And I'm afraid I've rewritten Frost's poem to have maybe a more modern 21st century kind of bent. If he had written this poem today, influenced by the culture and what we live, it may have sounded something like this. A thousand roads diverged in a yellow wood, and which I took mattered not, since they all converged again, as none thought they could, in some distant universal lot. This is the idea of our world, is that there is no exclusivity to God, that that all roads lead to the same mountaintop. And that's quite appealing to us. We don't want to be saying there is only one way. No, there must be thousands of ways to get to God. And and as, as long as you believe something and believe it sincerely and believe it with your heart, that's all that really matters. God doesn't really care what you believe just as long as you really believe something wholeheartedly. And exclusivity is very, very unwelcome in our world. Because it brings up the the hurdle that we face is denial. Jesus said to him, I, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said in 14, John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here comes the real punch. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus denies any other way than himself. And for you and I to be on the narrow way, we have to say the narrow way is the only way. And it will make all the difference. There's three denials that I think we we particularly face if we're going to go down this narrow path that makes it quite a hurdle to to go down this path. The first one is we have to deny exclusivism. Someone can say that for me later. And that is the idea that Jesus is the only way. It's exclusive that Christ said he's the only way. And the fact of the matter is the horrible thought of that passage in John chapter 14 is either Jesus is the only way or he's no way at all. You know, he, he's, he's lied if he's not the only way. 
And so it, we have to deny that there's all these other possibilities to get there. And that's very hard to do in our day. The other denial we have to do is relativism. That is that all things are relative. There are no absolutes. This is a broad way. And the broad way says, you know, it's wide. You can believe what you want to believe. And I can believe what I want to believe. And you can believe what you want to believe. And everyone gets to to choose what their own truth is. And it's relativism. Otherwise, it's narrow. And God gets to pick what is right and what is wrong. And we just say, okay, God said this is right. And he said that's wrong. But the wide way says you can decide what is right and what is wrong. Really, the base denial of inclusivism and relativism is this denial. The denial of selfism. That I don't get to decide what's right and I don't get to decide which way to go. That God gets to make those decisions. And I have to deny myself that I can't make up my own absolutes. I can't make up my own truth. I can't make up my own destinations. I can't make up my own self-religion. Meaning I am the God who makes these godly decisions. At the end of the day, it's always a denial of self. And there may, there may not be anything, at least in our day, more offensive to the world than the Christian's exclusiveness that we believe there's one way it's through jesus that's the only way he is the one god he gets the side right and wrong and we're beholden to that i stand here today telling you that this will lead you and i if you go down the narrow way to be called things that you don't want to be called maybe the friendliest of those is narrow-minded i used to think that's that's a hard burden you know don't call me narrow mind. I'm an enlightened person. I'm an educated. I have a master's degree. I'm, I'm in touch with this world. To call me narrow minded, small minded is very offensive. And I will tell you quite honestly that I stand here today with a burden on my shoulder and in my heart because I have colleagues, that is other pastors, who think I'm narrow-minded because I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the only way because Jesus said He's the only way. I am narrow-minded. I'm I'm an evangelical. I believe these things. And there are my colleagues who would ridicule me, who have talked bad about me, who would make fun of me for my narrow-mindedness. And it hurts Because I want to be included with that wide way that seems so progressive. But I have to stand on this narrow way that calls me this. And I have to convince myself that being called narrow-minded is actually a compliment. Because Jesus said, take the narrow way. And so I'm narrow-minded. Thank you! I didn't realize the insult you meant. God had just flipped it around. And made it a compliment. And so if you find yourself being narrow-minded, just make sure it's minded on the narrow way. I like this kind of idea of self-denial. There's lots of cute ones out there. It is the denial of ourself that gets us on the narrow way. How unfortunate the things we'll have to leave behind. Maybe our reputation. Maybe our standing within the community. Maybe our standing within the eyes of other people. 
there's something that's going to have to be left at the gate as we pass through it. There will be denial. And that's a hurdle to overcome. The third attraction is ease. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad. The, the phrase there is it, it's, an e, it's a broad path. It's, it's kind of level and easy. You can bring along what you want to bring. There's no denial. You don't have to leave anything at the gate. It's big and wide. It's just the way of ease. One of the things I found out about humanity is we tend to like the path of least resistance. Right? We just try to take the easy way out. Most of what sparks our inventions and our, our progressive ideas within the technology world is how can we make this easier? How can we make this easier? It's all, it's all this idea of making ease. We're not unlike other animals. As you know, I occasionally hunt the white-tailed deer. And uh, one of the tactics I use is that deer are just as lazy as people are. They like the easy way too. We used to hunt these great big uh, goldenrod fields. And we found out if you'll take a mower of some type and mow a path, the deer will walk the path instead of through the goldenrod. They, they want it easy. And so if you can actually guide the deer where you want to, just mow the path. And they'll tend to walk that path because it's easier than walking through the high goldenrod. I was recently walking my dog in some corn stubble behind the house. And I was reminded of this. So here's corn stubble. You know, it's only 18 inches tall, 12 inches tall, right? And there was this place through the cornfield where one of the grain carts had, had driven when they picked the corn, when they harvested it. And those tires, the big tires on that grain cart, had mashed down the the uh, corn stalks in this particular path. And as I was walking, I got to notice how as we entered the field, all the deer tracks were on the edge. And as I walked across the field, they all migrated to walk in that track where those tires had mashed down the corn stubble. They all ended up right there. Why? Well, because they didn't have to step over all the other little corn stubbles. It was an easier walk for them. And this is our nature, too, to tend to take the easy way. And the fact of the matter is the broad way is easy. It doesn't put us at odds with the world. It doesn't put us at odds with other people. There's plenty of room for everybody. You don't have to deny yourself. You don't have to be diligent in seeking out a new way. This is your default setting. And so it's just easy. In Psalm 73 verse 12, the psalmist is kind of looking at the world as he sees it. And he's having a struggle with God during this psalm. Because he recognizes that these people who he sees are wicked, these people who, who ignore God, who don't, who don't care about God, this is what he says, Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease they have increased in wealth. It seems like everything's going their way. Everything is easy for them. And he's like, I'm denying myself for you, and it's difficult. And he's, he's struggling with this apparent ease that the, the wicked get to live in and why he must struggle to follow God. And he's questioning himself, how long, how long will this be? And I think the answer for us is probably as long as we stay on the narrow way, it won't always be easy. Because that's what Jesus says. And that's the, that's the hurdle we over, we have to overcome is that the narrow way is difficult. It says, for the gate is small and the way narrow 
meaning it, it's not an easy path to trod. You have to watch your steps. You have to be careful where you step and where you go. You have to can't carry everything you want to, that there's a, a narrow passage. It's the idea of some difficultness to that. Jesus realized this with his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. He told them similar things. He said, I've said these things to you that you may, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus recognized that following me, being my disciple, a follower of mine, it's not going to be easy. Actually, it says the world will hate you and don't worry, they hated me first. In this world, you will have tribulation. Following this path is not the easy path through this life. And this is just the truth of the matter. It's a difficult way sometimes. And we depend on God's grace and mercy and aid. And as Miss Jean pointed out, our comforter, the helper, the guide to be there with us each and every day to face the hurdles and the difficult hurdles that will be before us. Much easier to live the other way. Much more profitable to live the difficult way. The fourth attraction that attracts us so easily to the, to the wide way is everyone else is there. One of the things I believe that you and I have as being image bearers of God, that when God created us in His image, one of those things is this, this desire and, and really need for community. That we're made for other people. We, we need relationships. We want relationships. It's, it's part of who we are because, and I believe it's in the image bearer because God had relationships within himself. He lived within community and he, he, if you remember at the beginning, he said it's not good for man to be alone. That he recognizes that, that we need one another and we have this need. And I think Satan uses that against us. And so we have this bent to be in crowds and in community with other people. And we see everyone going that way and are the faults. They might be wrong. I just want to be with them. And not be different. I'll confess to you today that this struggle... Maybe the number one struggle I've struggled with in my life. From the time I was a child, this, this being different. I, I grew up a pastor's son and I was always looked at differently. I was always thought of differently. And the one thing I didn't want to be was different. And so I worked very, very hard in rebellion to be like everybody else. And I, and I even today feel that, that being alone, that difference that it takes to, to go down the narrow way, to be the one that goes against the flow, that sees a different world, to be a great challenge for me. In a sermon, uh, Tozer, A.W. Tozer wrote a sermon called, The Saint Must Stand Alone. And this is the beginning of that sermon. He said, most of the world's great souls have been lonely. Loneliness seems to be one price the saint must pay for his saintliness. And so how difficult it is for us to say, we want this narrow way where there's few people who find it. How attractive is the way where everybody else is at? And they seem to be having such an easy time of it. And everyone's welcome. And there is no denial. And it is my default setting. And so I think we must comfort ourselves with what Jesus told the disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel. 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And though you and I are walking down this narrow path, may be lonely at times, we can rest assured we're never alone. And thank God that we have one another. God does give us brothers and sisters and communities to belong to. And so when we look at each other in this place, we may say there's a few of us on the narrow road. And I'm not completely alone because I have brothers and sisters who walk with me. The fourth attraction, and just point out my little preacherness, immediate, so you can remember them all. I know it's misspelled. Makes me laugh. The immediateness draws us. That, that we think short term, that we think about this life. This is the way of default. This is our default setting. This is the way of ease. This is the way everyone else is going. I don't have to deny myself and be exclusive. I can avoid the being narrow-minded. It's an immediate gratification compared to the saint's view of it, which is to delay. To delay for the end. It says, this is the road that leads wide. But this seems like the road to life. And it is in the future that we see life coming down the narrow way. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 is talking about all these people of faith. Those saints who walked alone, many of them, said, All these people died in faith without having received the things that they were promised. However, they saw them and welcomed them from afar. And we have to see the end of the game, where the path ends and not the joy of it that day. This is one of those people that's mentioned in this verse is Moses, who said he uh, would choose to be one counted among gods than the passing pleasures of the of uh, Pharaoh's court. That he realized he could have gone for the immediate pleasure of the day, being there in Pharaoh's court. But he would rather be called, counted among God's people and letting go of the immediate gratification for that that he could see afar off. And so as we look at these things, let me just put a 21st century phrase, face on that, that last phrase, immediate, first delayed. Do you want your best life now? Or do you want an unimaginably better than best life in some future? That is the 21st century trappings of this same thought. Have your best life now. Or have something much better than best sometime in the future. Because we won't all end up in the same universal lot. And so when we look at this, this this conundrum of why are there so few people on this narrow way when it seems so plain and simple what Jesus is teaching? Well, just look at the attractions. It's our evil nature. It's our default setting. We don't have to be exclusive. It's, it's the way of ease. Everyone else is doing it and I can have immediate gratification and, and, and pleasure right now. Or I can work hard. Deny myself, be hated by the world and live in a difficult circumstance, be different from most of the people that I come into contact with and delay myself and wait for a future to come that's better than what I have now. 
Yes, the wide way is attractive. And the narrow way has lots of hurdles. This is the truth. Why there are so many people along that way. And so just let me today to encourage you a couple of things. How to react to this. First, just question yourself. Which road are you on? Which path are you walking? Or have you taken the one that diverged in the yellow wood that was less traveled and let it make all the difference in your world? Or do you find yourself attracted to that wide way of ease? Be thankful if you find yourself on the narrow way. Praise the Lord who brought you there and who helps you and aids you along the way. And if you're on that wide way and say, you know, I think it's time to get off. Start your search. Look in diligence. If you need a guide, I will be glad to help you get as far as I've gotten, which is not quite far down that road. But we will help each other down that way. How do you enter that gate? Well, it's by faith. Faith in Christ. And then next week, we're going to be talking, at least readdressing that first, uh, that first point, that first uh, uh, attraction and, and uh, hurdle between our evil nature and our diligence and how that works. And realize it's just an entry by faith in who Jesus is. Second, one of the things I'd like for us to do is have compassion for those who are on the broad way. When you realize why they're so attracted to that way. You know, we who are on the narrow way sometimes get mad at those who are on that way. And I think just looking at what attractions they face, maybe we will be filled with compassion, that we will have enough compassion to maybe warn them, let them know that, that this won't be well in the end, to encourage them to leave the wide way and join the narrow way that yes it's difficult and yes there's hurdles we recognize that but we'll help you and more importantly god will help you let us encourage you to join this way and offer if you need some guidance if you need someone to walk with you if you need someone to help you find that way i will be your guide i will help get you closer to that way but from a heart of compassion realizing that this is a very attractive way And left to our own standards and except for the grace of God, we would all be on that road road too. And so thank God for his grace that he's moved you from the wide way to the narrow way. Be willing to help other people find the same way that leads to life. To bask themselves in the light of Jesus.